thinking about obscure knickknacks. Was that a didgeridoo that just about hit you on the head? That, <laughs> that was a didgeridoo that fell there, yes. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Good. Robert, did you like that slow intro on my part? Usually I kind of race through that and I was a little slower tonight. Yeah, you seem a little bit more relaxed today. Yeah, What's going calmer. on there? Well, you know what? I did swing by our Facebook page for the first time, I think, last week. I really liked it. You did a really good job on that, Robert. I must oh. give you full credit for that. Thank you very much, sir. Thank yeah, you very yeah. much. It's uh, To be quite honest, I wish I could do it more or, or get a little bit more out there. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to be overpowering people either right no no it was nice it was really really interesting i i really enjoyed it and you know what i was just getting ready for tonight and i just flipped on the tv and then i'm looking at the golf to just see how the canadians are doing over the weekend and i'm looking at california and then after the california golf comes the seniors tour in hawaii and i'm thinking to myself why couldn't our forefathers parents etc have immigrated to hawaii instead of the frozen north like, we could be sitting by a beach now, Robert. What do you think? It just looks so beautiful. It looks great right now until the monsoons come ripping through. Yeah, good pal. point. Have you ever been to Hawaii? No, I've been, to, I, list, eh? I've been to the Portuguese Hawaii, if you oh, okay. want. Having been yeah. to the Azores. I, I always say the Azores are the perfect blend of Hawaii and Europe. Yeah, yeah. And, but and still absolutely not Hawaii. beautiful. But you know what I was thinking? So I was watching the Seniors Tour. The funny thing about the Seniors Tour. You were looking for your name on the Seniors Tour? You know what? It's called the Champions Tour now. And most of those guys on the Seniors Tour are probably our age, if not younger. Because the Seniors Tour, the Champions Tour, starts at 50 years of age. In fact, Mike Weir is your age. They're younger than you is what you're saying. They're pretty well younger than you and around your age. Yeah. So isn't that well, interesting? The seniors. I've just figured age. out why you were so relaxed in reading the intro and why it went so slow. Because you were in tune with the golf commentators. Yeah, I was in tune with the golf. That's exactly it. As they and they get more chill when they're when they're announcing from Hawaii on the Big but, Island of Hawaii, Hawaii. Oh, I love the way they say it too. We would be chill too if we were in Hawaii, having a, a nice cold beverage there as well. Watching right? the golf, yes. When we retire, please 100%, 100%. Okay. But you know what? Our faith helps us chill as well. That's one thing I've noticed lately. Uh, Ellie and I, we've been saying the rosary in the evening together. Now, it's great to pray the rosary on your own, but it's something special to pray the rosary with someone else. And I've been finding, because I've been a little bit uh, more worked up at work, lately, mm-hmm. but praying the rosary with my wife in the evenings uh, has really helped bring down the anxiety levels for, nice. for, so you're for both Keith, of us. Keith Nestor's words to heart there yeah. from our last guest. Uh, of slowing down as we pray, Excellent, but it's also helping just slow down everything. But thinking about chill, the, yes. chill, the chill is wearing off on my beer. I know. So, so let's get to the prayer. So I'm going to open up here, sir. And then maybe if you wanted to introduce, while I'm pouring, introduce, because you I already kitchis- poured. I have a Kitchissippi from uh, my Ottawa stock, and it's called a Corktown Dry Stout. You're going to love that, buddy. And I think you pointed out that it's Corktown for the, um, named after the, there's always a Corktown or Irish town in most major cities, but you said it was the Irish that worked on the Rideau Canal. And we're going back about 200 years for that, Robert, are we not? Oh, at least, at least. I and think I that think- predates the famine, but go on. You've got the special Christmas tin. I do. I have but a, it, yeah. If you get the regular Corktown dry stout mm-hmm. tin from Kitchissippi, it has a little bit of that history on there. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is the... What's yours? Uh, so this is 4.4% alcohol. I'm assuming it tastes a bit like Guinness, but we'll let you know in a few minutes. Yeah, like I said, I've, I've had that one on the show before. So if anyone wants to go back a little over a year ago when we had the liturgy guys on... That's a good memory. Uh, that's the beer I had on How do you remember one? your beer from the liturgy guys? How because, do you? How because when I possible? said it was a dry stout, 
Yeah. Uh, one of the liturgy guys made a dry comment about the dry stout, and that's oh, just okay. always stuck with me. So that that's if you ask me what was the beer we had with Keith Nestor, a previous guest, I'd be hard pressed to remember that one. Oh yeah, you stumped me on that one too. I couldn't. Really oh, I had the I had. Um, the beer that you got me from the Old Flame. What was the name of that? It was really good. I really enjoyed that one. Oh, the peppermint pouty step. Peppermint no, I didn't have the peppermint. Stout. I had the other one because you said the porter. The, the porter. No, did I? Yeah, I had the... Oh, I can't remember. I, I can't remember. remember. I remember now. I had a Budweiser. Yeah, you had a Budweiser, yes. I had a Budweiser. Which, actually... which I thought very plain. That's usually my gig, the plain the plain beer, the, the generic beer, the popular beer. So when you brought that down, I, I got your little shtick with that. But that was odd for you to bring in a Budweiser. And, and you know what? I was pleasantly surprised with it. Yeah, you said that. See, I've had the Bud Light before, and I it's just, it's a little watery for me, but the Budweiser probably has got a little bit more flavor. Yeah, and I think I was expecting a Bud Light, and I got a full, nice Pilsner. I think okay, I'm about to take drink, so we better pray before so, we drink. Okay, well, I was just going to introduce Oh, yeah, tell mine. me about it. I love I've the got, can. I've got from the Cool Beer Brewing Company out of Toronto. Out of it Toronto. is a Bohemian-style lager. Hmm called saint andre Saint-André. Hmm. right uh, my wife got me this for christmas this almost looks like a halo over the beer that's yeah. kind of cool Actually, you know what? Done that. it looks a little bit like the pints and pews logo where the, the beer is in the the pews or in the church and it looks do my sister who did the graphic that? of that yeah do we have a copyright uh, she, on that by the way yeah yeah it was okay. all the graphics from that <laughs> were all um, free to be had and my sister who's a graphic artist put it together for us Right, and that pints and pews logo that you logo that you have on the Facebook that would really look good on a beer can. But go on, sorry, Robert. Well, we'll have to take care of that one day. Mm -hmm. No, and the the reason why I picked Saint Andre for today, uh, Saint Andre de Montreal, so Saint Alfred Bisset or Brother yes, Andre, Saint Andre from Montreal, Bisset, Brother Andre, uh, yeah, played it's a bit a of a role thing. in my own spiritual development and mm -hmm. coming to the faith, especially as a, a young child when we would visit Montreal. So that's kind of the my story behind that. I'm really interested in trying this. It looks really good. Looks good. Uh, or as I was expecting something a little bit lighter. Oh, oh I really like the style lager, but it's I really like the nice color of that color. To yeah, it. and I'm liking the color. Yeah, it hey, should have been longer. Yeah, must stop for anybody going to Montreal, Saint George's Oratory, beautiful place. Hey, Robert. Oh, well, exactly. Uh, okay, I can't so, wait to get back there. So, so we'll do Grace before beer. Yep, and uh, then we'll. Get into the show. I just was listening to another, not to give a spoiler alert, but Drinking with the Saints. Do you realize that their prayer before is about the third of the length of our prayer before? Just saying, not putting any pressure on you to cut any. I wouldn't want you to cut any out of the prayer, but I just kind of noticed third to half in the length. Yeah, but we're using the official blessing for I the year know, out know, of the I Roman know. rites. It just right? always takes longer because we chat so much at the beginning. What do you mean we? I chat. I chat too much. <laughs> I'll, I'll okay. point the finger at myself. Well, anyways, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of so, the Holy yes. Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, of this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In, in the name, name of, of the, the Father, Father, and of the Son, and, and the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. But I forget how beautiful of a prayer it is, so we'll just go. Yeah, and we'll you it. you mentioned Drinking with the Saints. Great book. Oh, cheers, Isn't that a great pour? Cheers. Right? That's, your pour finally caught up to you. <laughs> oh, that is nice. Oh, that is nice. It's a, a, like a honey flavor. Oh. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a great stout. Yours is a honey flavor. It has a bit of a honey flavor. Nice, well balanced, and uh, it has like a a buckwheat honey flavor to it, mm. which is really really nice. Now you mentioned drinking with the saints, the drinking with the saints podcast. We're going to have Doctor Michael Foley, who has written the drinking with the saints book. Very excited uh, about that. Along with uh, yeah. a couple of follow up books from that drinking with Saint Nicholas, right. or drinking with Saint Nick. Uh, and drinking with your patron saints, he's going to be the guest on our next episode. That's great. Yeah. And in the Drinking with the Saints book, this prayer, the prayer that we use, a version of that is also in his book. 
right? And there's oh. he has actually a number of different prayers and blessings. I did not know for, that for a beer, got to that part or yet. for wine or for spirits. Uh, it's all in there, and he also has a list of different toasts that you can make. Okay, so now what you have to do is now your next invitees because you do all the inviting Robert or most of the you cannot invite a person who has a podcast because every time you do this we start listening to more podcasts and now so now you've got me on catholic the cordial catholic you got me on a dram with friends the catholic canuck and now drinking with saints all excellent podcasts i'm running out of room There's, i'm running out of time Robert, it, it's it's a podcasts. question of time oh 100 yeah. i've got about 12 podcasts that i follow oh, you've got 12 now okay. that i follow but there's maybe two or three that i listen to Religiously. Re religiously, if you, yeah. you know, pardon the pun. Fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a handful that I'll pick up here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also, too, yeah, when we're having a guest on, I will binge listen yeah. to, to what they yeah. have to So I'm offer. doing that now. Yeah, it's really good. And they're, they're fantastic. Yeah, they're really good together, him and his wife. Before we kind of get into the, the main part of our episode today, uh, you were on a little bit of a sojourn, a bit of a trip, a I bit was. of a pilgrimage uh, over, over Christmas, the Christmas I was break. blessed to go to Belgium, your old stomping ground, Robert, to visit our kids while they're studying over there. And we spent Christmas over there and went to a couple churches, went to Mass in French, Robert, which I found a little bit difficult. You wouldn't. And you set me up to that. You mentioned the beautiful Abbe de la Cambre. Am I pronouncing that right? Very well done. Um, which was just a stone throw from our hotel. And we walked the grounds and I went into the church, a beautiful church, beautiful. Everything about that church is just absolutely gorgeous. And the grounds are so nice as well. Well, I loved it because I just lived vicariously through you. Uh, your vacation took me back 30 years from when I was going to school. In I know. And I, and you know what, before we were going, I was thinking to myself, I know he goes on about Brussels and, you know, it's Robert because he's reminiscing and we're, we all get nostalgic and stuff, but it was, it was such a beautiful city, all of Brussels. And we managed, oh, sorry, excuse me, all of Belgium. We managed to go to another couple of cities in Belgium as well. And it was really good. I mean, just the historic buildings alone, the beautiful churches and walking, we walked everywhere, Robert. It was probably your case when you were there too. We, you know, we didn't have a car. But we did take the tram sometimes, but most of the time we just walked. We ended up walking a lot more because you're passing all these beautiful little, you know, parts of the city as you walk through them and shops and buildings. Yeah, and that's the beauty of the European cities is you yes. really don't need a car. No, you don't. You right? don't. The, the public the public transit systems yep. are so amazing. You can just step out your door, mm -hmm. jump on the tram or a bus or a metro, and if it doesn't get you directly there, a connection or two. And you're right where you need to be. And you're be. right where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yes. like you say, though, too, when you do that, you miss a whole bunch because when you're walking, uh, you're walking past history with every step. Now, I have a couple of questions I wanted to ask you about your, your trip I to hope Belgium. You're not going to quiz me on Belgian trivia or Brussels trivia or anything like yeah. that. Uh, Sprech du Flams. Oh. Uh, your Flemish is, yeah. Oh, I'm no, not. Flemish uh, is bad. Yeah. Well, so is yeah. It was weird the way they spoke Flemish more up north and. Antwerp area and, and mm -hmm. French more in the Brussels and the capital and stuff. Yeah. So that was interesting, the different um But the different with, languages you, with of the your region. Duolingo French and of course. English, I should be all, much I able should to be almost <laughs> I should be almost there. So I wanted to ask, you know, were there a couple of beers that stood out for you? Yes. While you were there. I don't know if you've heard of this one, but Stella Artois was one of my <laughs> You went no. all the way to Belgium and you I'm were joking. drinking Stella Artois. You know what? I, there was a couple. I did have a couple of Belgium Trappists. Thank you for remember. listening to the Pints and Pews podcast yes. because uh, we've just kicked Dennis out. No. We're looking for a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, are you there? We almost um, had a new co-host today, but that's a, a whole long story for another day. No, what listen, beers did you have no, while you were there? No, I can't remember the names of the beers, but I did have, I, I mean, my son got me a nice four pack or six pack of the various ones but i i can't remember you know often what i had for beer I'm last week remember many... from the the <laughs> one was a triple triple okay that's right you had the the triple which was the the westamal triple yeah because i remember and... you sent me a picture of it and i said that's right. the one i had on the show just before you left right and i had a um what did you think of that glass? one 
Oh, I liked it. I don't think there was a beer that I disliked there. And I just I just realized how big beer was there. Like that is kind of almost the European home of beer. If you think of the Trappist, the, the monasteries making the beer. You you could drink a different beer every day. Every day, yeah. For a decade and not, and I had, and not double up. I had the one that you said was kind of a standard one, Ruber. Not Stella, but what was the other? It starts with the, a D-U. The, oh, the Duval. Yeah, yeah. So I had that. Yeah, that that's uh, a good beer, except that it's named after the devil. Oh yeah, no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't the one it with the glass. The I showed you the glass that I got. I'm pretty sure it was a Duval that you had. Yeah. And then of course the is it the Chimay? Yeah, yeah. And then there was a couple of others. If you throw me some names, oh, I could throw you some names, and it maybe wasn't even what you had. Yeah, there, yeah. there's just so many, so many different beers there. But good, rich beers. You know, uh, lots of flavor. You know, oh, no, here's a question for you. Them. Did you have a lambic? A lambic. A lambic. So a lambic is a beer, but it is fermented naturally. So, so what they do is they, they 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 put everything in the the vat and they prepare everything that they would normally do before fermentation, and they mm-hmm. but they leave the vat open just for natural yeast, to, and the, they leave the window open. So the vat is open, the window's open, and they just let the natural yeast blow in to ferment the beer. So it's not all that carbonated. If anything, it mm. tastes a little bit flat, but it has kind of a fruity flavor to it. No, I don't think I had that. And it's kind of a specialty kind of beer. I just was wondering if you had. But had every time I was out in a restaurant, like I'd, I'd, I'd just have, oh, what do you have on the menu? And I'd, I'd get a beer just to taste the beer. Yeah, I should yeah. have written them all down. You should have been taking pictures. I could have thrown them up on the yeah, Facebook Yeah, absolutely. Page. Taking That's pictures it, of the food. and the, You know how people always take pictures of the food and, and the beer? And I, I don't do that stuff, unfortunately. Well, that was yeah. my next question. Food. Yeah, frites, waffles. Okay. What sauce did you have with your frit? Uh Oh, yeah. There was one sauce that I did have, which I really liked. You're going to tell me the name of it. I think you said you had the Andalusian. Yes, the Andalusian. Yes, that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. I always liked the the sauce American, which was kind of like a, a a bit more piquant flavor. Oh, okay. I don't know if I saw that as, but that the the Andalusian was everywhere. But I didn't know if I sauce sauce American. Yeah, they would have, they would have it would have been one of the twenty okay. sauces that they had available. But yeah, and I didn't have that American sandwich. What was the sandwich you told me? I yeah, the, the, the American sandwich, because it's like yeah. made with steak tartare. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had that. That sounded really good. But yeah, the frites were ubiquitous. So any, anywhere you go, you can get free, frites. And did right? you get a waffle from a street vendor? No, I think we were in a shop, uh, restaurant for that. Uh, the, the oh, street... unless we were at the markets. Yes, once at the markets, I think we got it. And there's another thing, the beautiful Christmas markets, Robert. If you want to tell our listeners about those? I mean, those are something else, something that we really don't have here. No, I know. Or at least not in that way. Some of the cities try to pull off here in North America. Mm-hmm. So North American cities try to pull off the the Christmas market like they have across Europe. And so they'll have a market square somewhere and they'll pop a few kiosks. But it's just not the same doing that surrounded by skyscrapers as doing it when you've got cobblestones under your feet. Because you oh. were in the you were in the Grand Place or the Sabre? we were yeah the Grand yeah, Place. So in the yeah. Grand Place, so you've got all these Gothic buildings surrounding you, yeah. and you've got the cobblestones under your feet, right? the timbered kiosk for the vendors. Yeah. Actually, More no, you're likely, right. You could, the, you could I, probably have a mulled wine, or you could probably walk around with your beer. As oh well. yeah, yeah, yeah. We had we were I was walking around with a drink. Actually, no, I think that was the one place because they had the light show there and they had a big Christmas tree in La Grande Place. Every where every little nook and cranny we went out of the ground, there was a Christmas market. So there must have been a three or four surrounding them, Robert, okay. but not in the. So now just, our conversation so is getting really esoteric here, isn't it? Kind of, I mean, it's just you know, like our be, conversations usually do. Yeah. And yeah, we'll kind of wrap up that that Belgium stuff there. I mean, you said too, you went to a number of different churches. I'm not going to ask you to name them because no, I would Again, when you go through uh, in mm-hmm. Brussels and you were in Brugge, in Bruges, and yep. in Antwerp, Antwerp, yeah, uh, and you start visiting all of these churches. After a while, they, unfortunately, they all start to blend together. They do, and you know what? And I think that's why I like the one that you had said the the Abbe de la Combe, but right near our oh. hotel, because there was nobody in there when I first ventured in, and it that really was one thing I was. Gem. Yeah, and absolutely, because if you go to all the big names and everybody's, then you're just getting 
you know, inundated with tourists, right? So it just seems to, yeah, like you say, they just kind of all mesh into each other, except you're looking at this beautiful Gothic cathedral from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. That's really cool. Now, just before we move on to our next segment, mm -hmm. um, ask you a question. After having done a trip like that, where you are tasting the beers and you are visiting the churches and you are visiting the abbeys, Pints and Pews uh, pilgrimage in the books for yes, one day? Yes, absolutely. We're, we'll do all the major European cities. but uh, And we'll start in, in Brussels, for sure. Yeah, like that, I think that would just be amazing. So That would be so cool. We can do it. Well, will we do it in English or French? Maybe my French will be better by then. There we go. We'll, we'll fight over the microphone at the front of the bus. No, but, but I think I think that's something you don't really think about, though, Robert. I don't think people think, oh, you know, let's go to Brussels and, you know, let's do Belgium. But it's such a beautiful little spot. And I guess because you've got the, you know, NATO and the European community, people think it's more of kind of politicians. And But no, we we didn't really see. We just saw a lot of beautiful places and a lot of really good people. You know what? I prefer the city of Brussels. It's one of those things that you wave at as you blow through from Paris to Amsterdam mm -hmm. or from Paris to, to Berlin. Right. But it really is worth making the stop. But also, too, Dennis, we've had recently a very momentous occasion in the Catholic Church. Uh, we had the passing of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. We mentioned that briefly on our we last did. podcast with Keith Nestor, but we wanted to do a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, just the two of us talking a little bit about Benedict XVI, uh, kind of share a little bit, you know, our memories of his pontificate and, and of himself. His, his uh, brief pontificate, I guess about eight years. Would that be brief in the, the history of pontificates or is that kind of average? I want, we should. It's not John Paul the first brief. No. It's not, right, nor, so. nor is it not John Paul II length, but yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, it's actually a little bit short, briefer than, than Pope Francis, and he's still in it, but I guess he's coming on 10 years now, Pope Francis, but... When yeah, you think so, about it, if he had not retired, his pontificate would have just come to an end, so if he had not retired, he would have been mm -hmm. Pope from 2005 to 2022, which would have been almost 20 years. That's right, it would have been a long time. And that's what I thought initially, Robert, when he was retiring that you know his health was not good i know his strength wasn't good he said it was physically too much but i didn't think he'd be you know to be perfectly honest i didn't think he'd be around for eight years after he says a lot for years, retirement guess, though yeah. then doesn't it yeah that's well when you retire in your 80s i guess right yeah 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 and the great thing about him too i think it i mean you might have sent me this photo him at 90 that beer, you know, not a pint glass in his hand. It was a bigger than a pint glass, Robert. Yeah. In Bavaria, you would call that a mass. Okay. Or, or a stein. One liter. So it's like it's like two pints in there. Yeah. And look at him going at that at 90. God yeah. bless him. So uh, I guess it would be closer to what you would say is a, a quart, because it would be a quarter of a gallon. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, Good yeah for so him. we wanted to talk a little bit. I want I wanted to share a little bit. Yeah, memories, uh, you've influence. read some of his stuff. I don't think I've had other than articles about him or maybe brief articles from him. But you've you've read some of his books, have you not? Yeah, like I was going to talk a little bit about that as far as personal influence. Mm -hmm. uh, I do have a number of his books on the shelf. One that I've come back to three or four times, and it has had such an effect on my own personal faith. He actually wrote before he was Pope. He wrote as, as Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, right. The Spirit of the Liturgy. Okay. Right. Yeah. Which is his meditations and his thoughts on the Mass. And it is such a goldmine that you do have to come back to it a number of times to really pull everything out. And each time you read it, you're going to get something a little bit different that you will take to the Mass and when you're praying the Mass, right? As right. we are called to full and active participation in the Mass. Right. We always have been, and it was made even more evident and stated more clearly in the Vatican II documents. Unfortunately, when people see the notion of full and active participation, they think it means they need to be doing something. Mm -hmm. 
whether it's Lecter, Altar Server, X-Ray Minister of the Eucharist, Usher, music, they, they, that they feel to be participating, they need to be up and moving about. Mm-hmm. Where really the call to full and active participation, and I was just reading an article even by, uh, on I can't remember who the article was by, it was in the Adoramus Bulletin, uh, adoramus.org, again, coming back to the liturgy guys. Right. Right. Uh, but it was a review of Father Ronald Knox's uh, The Mass in Slow Motion. And his notion of full and active participation is a spiritual, prayerful participation. And he was talking about this in the time of the Latin Mass or the, the pre Vatican II Mass, where a lot of times the Mass was very silent because the priest was saying the prayer sotto voce. You know, saying mm-hmm. the, the prayer silently. So people would pray their rosary during the Mass. That's right, yeah. Or they would do this litany and that litany. And he says, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be participating in the Mass, mm-hmm. not Absolutely. doing your own thing. Yeah, doing your own thing. And so that was one of the things from the spirit of the liturgy that that really got me, was that notion of being prayerfully present at the Mass. Right? Even if you're just the dude in the pew. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to what the priest is saying. Absolutely. What's the point if you're not, right? Right. And putting your heart on the paten during the consecration, right? Sacrificing yourself along with Christ in the sacrifice of the Mass. That notion of full and active participation. So that's the spirit of the liturgy. The spirit of the... The very first thing I ever took out of the spirit of the liturgy... There should be no applause at mass. There's no mm. place for. for we applause spoke about at mass. that, and I remember a sign in a church just near us here say, talking about applause in the mass. And we've spoken a number of times, and I we're seeing it all the time but, during the mass. I had a pastor one time say that you know after everyone applauded the music at the end of mass, mm-hmm. he was like, "Well, nobody applauded the homily." Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but it is, it is a good point, right? Yeah, and, and it was said tongue-in-cheek, yeah. you're right. Or or the choir, as beautiful as the choirs can be, but we're not there to applaud. You know, you know, we have a guest or somebody wants to say a few words and we applaud them or, you know, somebody else for some sort of special anniversary, we give them applause at the beginning and the end. I'm noticing that more and more, yeah, unfortunately, but um, hopefully, yeah, we don't need that. But you did say something about that caught me about Pope Benedict on a number of occasions, Robert, because we are talking about somebody who's probably, I think they said, the most academic or brilliant pope since Innocent III. And I don't know much about Innocent III, but I imagine he was pope well, a number of years ago. That was the pope of your childhood. Yeah. Um, so you're talking a brilliant person, but you've always said his writing is not so it, dense that it it's is actually very so understandable. Accessible. Yes, yes. So, so that's very so interesting. I think, I'm thinking about, actually, somebody said that, I don't know if it was one on our shows, his books in, you know, when he used to write for, as a university prof for, you know, textbooks were dense, but maybe other books weren't so, were, were much more accessible to the public when he wrote as Cardinal, when he wrote as Pope. Yeah, and that's the brilliance of Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth, or the, the brilliance of Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. He knew his audience. Yes. Right? He knew his audience. And there was a clip somewhere, and I, I wish I could remember exactly what was said, but there was a clip somewhere where a child had asked him a question basically on transubstantiation. And the way he was able to answer this child Mm. and plumb the depths of transubstantiation so that a 10-year-old could understand it. And it's just like, wow, how brilliant is that? Mm -hmm. And that's why I've come back, and I've just started reading over again uh, his Jesus of Nazareth series. So I just started reading the infancy narratives, and then there's a, a section kind of about his ministry, and then there's a third book uh, on his passion. So was he writing this as, as Pope or Cardinal? or As Pope. Okay. He, he wrote these as Pope. And again, it just opens up so much who Jesus of Nazareth is as the Son of God and plums the depths of the Gospels, but in a language that the everyday layperson in the pew will be able to pull something out of that. Nice, nice. And I found for myself, the first time I read them a few years ago, 
how much it enriched my relationship with Christ mm. and my understanding of who Christ is. And that's why right now I thought is the time to go back and reread them because we always need to be developing our, our relationship with Jesus Christ. For sure. And how many encyclicals did he put out? I'm not even sure how many he... More than Dennis. Yeah. I mean, well, like I said, I don't know how many, if you, were to, if you were to put a number on it, yeah. I don't what, know. It wouldn't be many, right? I know, John Paul, I, it wasn't many at all, maybe two or three. I, and I'm again, sure. it's just with the time he See, was. I, but I didn't, I didn't like Peter. his moniker, though. I always felt that was unfair, you know, the, the way the media portrayed him as God's Rottweiler. I, I didn't yeah. like that because he was, he really was the opposite of that. I would and imagine I, he would be a very gentle person and who, you know, enforced the doctrine of his time. I don't think he did it in, in, in any way. And when I think of Rottweiler, I think of snappy and argumentative and, you know, vicious. That was certainly not the characteristics that, you know, I think of when I think of, you know, Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict. And I think you're bang on with that. Yeah. Out well, of uh, reading so of the situation. I've had some students that have been making presentations this week, and a couple of them have done presentations on Benedict Sixteenth, and they've all put in their presentation a little five-minute video, and I'll have mm -hmm. to look it up. I'll put it on the Facebook page. Uh, a little five-minute video, I think it was by Rome Reports, about Benedict Sixteenth, and there was one line in there, and it's something along the lines of, you know, he was unfairly given a Darth Vader persona or a Darth mm -hmm. Vader mm -hmm. moniker by the media when he was this warm, caring mm. personality. Right. Right. And he wasn't, you know, outgoing and like his no, predecessor. Very, quiet, Pope very, yeah, shy. very, very much in the classroom, the university class at home in the university classroom or writing or in his office, I think. I think he was pushed into this and I don't think he really you know, he did the job for eight years, and it wasn't, I don't know if it was, you know, it's something that he wanted to do. I don't know if Pontificate is anything any yeah. of them want to do. That's and that's why point. they call, when they're yeah. elected Pope, and before they come out on the balcony to mm -hmm. greet the faithful for the very first time as Pontiff, there's a little antechamber, a little room on the way to the balcony, and they kind of have three sets of white robes in this room, small, right. medium, and large for them to, to put on the white robes to go out the first time. And they yep. call this the crying room. Right. Or the room of tears, because tears. They're, they're brought to tears with the realization of the weight of the pallium of Peter. The responsibility now, yeah. And, you know, good for him for saying, I, I can't do it anymore. I need to I need to resign. I mean, he took a lot of heat for that, but he, he knew that he wasn't up to the job. He just couldn't physically do this job. It must be. Oh, like you say, the response of the weight on the shoulders of these gentlemen. And as you're saying that now, what a lesson in humility he gave us in doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. To Where, say, you know, mentally he was still very much there, but physically he wasn't there. And it, and it, I mean, they don't, you know, they travel, they have a lot of meetings, they're always out and about. It's, it's, it's draining. And most people have that inclination to cling to power. Yes. And cling to their position of power, right. and once they're at the pinnacle, not wanting to step down, not wanting no. to leave it. Yet. I wonder if we'll see that more often in future popes, you know, resignations rather than death. I know Pope Francis has hinted at it. Mm -hmm. I've heard that on a number of occasions, yeah. So, yeah. And, he, and, you know, good for the two of them. I think they had, I did see the two popes, and I don't think their relationships were strained like they made it out to be, but I think they had a good relationship. I think Francis knew he was pope, but I, it wasn't that great to have counsel, if you ever needed counsel, to go to a previous pope to bounce things off him. But uh, he certainly stayed in the shadows. He didn't interfere with Pope Francis' pontificate, so yeah, I think the relationship again, was probably better than you know the media made it out to be. And again, that comes back to, like you say, just the the way media wants yeah. to portray things. Right. Right. A lot of times reality doesn't sell, so they got to... They got to jazz it up a bit. Sure. Sells papers. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So you've lined up some nice sayings for Pope Benedict. Usually we have, uh, you know, our own quotes, Robert, but I like the sayings you've picked up here. Did you... Want me to read the first one because you think it yeah, sure. embodies I kinda, myself? I, is that yeah. is that why you put that out there? 
No, that's not why I put it out. That's actually <laughs> one of my favorite uh, of his oh, books. That's so good. I, I thought since we were talking about Benedict the Sixteenth here for our episode, that we should do that for our saintly sayings. Let's just have some Benedict the Sixteenth mm-hmm. quotes. And so I, I picked out four. Uh, this first one is one of my favorites. I like this one, Robert. This is great. You were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Isn't so often we feel we're made for com- We are comfortable. I mean, I find sometimes we're almost too comfortable, correct? My expanding waistband will uh, stand testament to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Mine too. Especially living here in North America. Yes. Right. And which is where most of our listeners are, or, you mm. know, United States and Canada. We lead a relatively comfortable life. Very much so. Yeah. We're very blessed. And in doing that, we kind of lose touch with our faith mm-hmm. to a certain degree, I think. Yep. Right. And when you think about greatness, and I'm going to take it outside of the box of mm-hmm. faith. In any sector, to be great, it's going to take work. I mean, take athletes, for example. Right. Right. To get to the top of their profession, they need to go through some pain and suffering to build up to that level. You were talking about the, the golf earlier. Right. Right. Yeah. They don't all start with the green jacket. There's a lot of toil and oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent, and not just physical, but you think of the emotional toll and the other things that you have to give up, whether it's with family or friends, social life, school, whatever. A lot of sacrifice has to go into greatness. Greatness, absolutely. And there's nothing greater than paradise. There's nothing greater than than Jesus Christ, and yet so often we're so lackadaisical about our faith. Right. Yeah. So again, that's why it's one of my favorite. That's a really good it, quote. It just gives me the kick in the pants I need it's, to to get. It's back hard into to get out of the comfortable of the... comfortable stage. You're right. I mean, but we have to persevere for sure. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning, but that's just a yeah. whole other story, isn't it? Especially at your age, I know. Exactly. Exactly. And you got another one. And so the next quote, I. I Came across because again, when Pope Benedict the Sixteenth passed away, all of a sudden social media was being flooded with Pope Benedict quotes. So the next one I picked out: If we allow the love of Christ to change our heart, then we can change the world. Very nice. And again, that that self introspective, mm-hmm. right? Where and a number of different saints have said something along yeah, the lines similar. of this, right? Right. That you you need to look at yourself first, make the change with yourself. Make the first. change, yeah, yeah. You can't go around changing unless you yourself have changed for sure, Robert. And that just kind of re- reminds me. I was listening uh, again. We were talking about how we only get a chance to listen to a handful of uh, great Catholic podcasts out there. Uh, I was listening to one recently, and they were talking about you know being reverent at the mass mm-hmm. and kind of. If you go in and you kneel, people will start following and they will right. kneel with you. And I think this quote here from Benedict the Sixteenth kind of says the same thing. If you allow the love of Christ to change your heart, if you allow Christ to change you, and people see the change and they see the joy in that change mm-hmm. that you bring, mm-hmm. they will follow you. And before Absolutely. you know it, without even done anything on purpose, you will have changed the world. And that joy has to be there too, Robert. Certainly, uh, we can't go around with sour looks on our face. That's not going to attract anybody to the faith. And sometimes we we do get like that, you know? So we have to remember that. That's good. That that explains our low ratings then, doesn't it? Absolutely. The next one, (laughs) another good one you picked up. God is our Father and loves us, even when His silence remains incomprehensible. I think that's something that speaks to to all of us as fathers, that... Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just don't need to say anything, right? Or you, you can't, yeah. Or the silence, you can't grasp it. You just, it's not comprehensive at the time, but he just, he's just still there. Absolutely. Yeah, and God's love, the love is, is always ever there. Present. Like our love is, yeah. Yeah, the, the, it's ever-present. It's unconditional. The love is always there, even if we don't understand why we're like you said, not hearing from him. Right. right. That speaks the to sign? spiritual dryness. Yep. Yeah. Right. And I know you and I, we've had a number of different conversations uh, 
on our own about spiritual dryness Mm -hmm. and kind of prayer seems like a slog sometimes. Mm -hmm. And where is God? I'm praying, but I'm not getting anything back. Yeah. God the Father is still there. Yeah. And then I picked this last quote specifically because they were the last words of Pope Benedict XVI. These were his, his final words. And I think they sum everything up. Mm-hmm. I wonder who puts that out, though. Like, who? I Did somebody record that at the last? Is there somebody there for all the, popes? I wonder there would be the Carmelengo that, that is there. Okay. And especially in the case and like Benedict XVI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like with Benedict XVI and before him, John Paul II. Yeah. Because they were ill and in palliative care and mm-hmm. they would have known that the time was coming there would have been someone there with them 24 7. and and do they always release like the last words of the pope just curious i would imagine so okay yeah or or maybe record them but maybe not release you know and release them if they feel that you know i'm sure they'd all be appropriate but you never know in the last stages of life right so I think like that they, they would for sure be released if they will have for, consequence. Right. Public consumption, because they're important that people need to hear them type thing. Yeah. yeah. And exactly with the, the last words of Pope Benedict Sixteenth, Jesus, I love you. Mm-hmm. And that sums it up there. Now, I've yeah. seen actually two versions of this quote, Jesus, I love you, and Lord, I love you. Hmm. But at the end of the day, it's saying the same thing. And that really needs to sum up our lives as well. Right. And again, love isn't always that effusive emotional thing. Love is making sacrifices for the other. Oh, yeah. It's more than an emotion for sure. And we've reduced it to emotion sometimes in today's day and age, but. I'm already seeing the advertisements for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Right. So but i think it's just so important those those final words of his and they they carry such weight that jesus i love you mm-hmm. and that sums up his life yeah his life absolutely he he lived a life of love for the lord right and for the church yeah yep and, and, and sacrifice yep what an inspiration what an that inspiration. is that has a to good be. pope well, legacy i mean for sure we won't know that for 1500 years but i would certainly think it would be long lasting and I mean, we'll look at one. I mean, he, he, it, it's difficult because as somebody said, he falls between two very outgoing and much loved popes. You know, you've got Francis on one and Pope Paul II, and they're actually, you know, they have quite the followings, and he was kind of that academic. No, he didn't have the charisma. No, he didn't have the charisma. didn't have the charisma. And they're very both charismatic. Francis on on the other Paul hand, II. I've, seen a lot of people already calling to have benedict the 16th declared a doctor of the church oh interesting right that's where he would fit nicely in wouldn't he yeah, because of the depth of his yeah, theological the knowledge knowledge and writings yes for yeah. sure and again his writings you have to go through over and over and over again because each time you're going to pull something different mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. and much like you say um, uh, certainly accessible to the average catholic So, we're sir, that, yes, we're, we're at that time where stump the <laughs> what in the church is that? Yeah, I'm up for a challenge today. I think I'm making it too easy on you here, Robert. What do you think? I don't Last time I had a little bit of difficulty with that. Like the last time we went through with this, uh, you came up with Simony. I know I, I really had a difficult time trying to nail that one down because, uh, it was more of an idea than a thing, right? When you were talking about Simony, where oh yeah, my, my my realm is more into the obscure knickknack objects of the church, okay, as opposed to the greater ideas. Yeah, uh, thinking okay. about so obscure, you know. uh, thinking about obscure knickknacks. Was that a didgeridoo that just about hit you on the head? That, <laughs> that was a didgeridoo that fell there. Yes. Long story about the didgeridoo. I was in a, I was in the Northern Territory, just outside the outback. You, you were on walkabout, were you? Well, I was. I was in Kakadu National 
park there in the Northern Territory. And um, we had a great guide and he was carving this didgeridoo. And I said, well, that's really cool. I, you know, do you do that for anybody? He goes, yeah, yeah, I can do one for you. Because I won't have it ready for a month or two. And I go, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm going home, but can you send it? So I gave him like 50 bucks at the time. So then I guess a month or two later, this didgeridoo arrived in the mail. Now, I just have to remind you that... Actually, can you play that? or? Well, I think it's probably... No, I can't play it you at got all. to bring that into work one day, and yeah. I, well, you can play that. I guess somebody would be able to play it, Robert. I wish I could. I think it's probably full of full of dust in them, right through the... Yeah, no, we're not here played. to watch you go purple in the face trying to yeah. play the didgeridoo. That wasn't played, but... Um... And I have to remind you here, sir... The name of the segment is "What in the Church is That?" What did not, I say? Not not what in the Dennis's basement is that? Yes, what? That's right. How about stump the chump? Oh, uh, Keith from the Cordial Catholic remembered that, did he not? From a radio he, station he, here in Toronto before yes, your time. Yes, he did. Over. So that um, yeah. Make so me feel I know what you mean. Old. It's it's difficult though because there's so many. There's only so many little. Uh, you know, little things like that. So oh, I'm gonna there, there, there's more than you know of, buddy. But right. okay, I'm going to give you an easy, a couple easy ones today. How's that? Okay, let's I'll go. I'll start with an easy one. Let's go, Robert. What is dispensation? Again, I thought we were talking about knickknacky things oh. and not kind of grand ideas. The bishop has given dispensation. Yeah. So a, a, a dispensation is when the bishop gives an allowance. I want to say I don't want to say to go against canon law, but he releases the faithful from their obligation. Excellent, I think, Robert. I, I think that's the best way to explain dispensation. Very uh, well done. One would think that all of the laity would know what a dispensation is right now because we've just come out of having two, two and a half years of everybody having a dispensation from Sunday Mass. Excellent. Because it's an the, exemption the from church exemption from church law in a particular case for a particular for a special reason. And that's exactly what we've come out of. Good and a good example too, Robert. Okay, yeah. So, uh, but there's only so many you can find for those. So I'm looking up more terms in the church type thing. Maybe terms oh, I that thought are you were older. saying you were trying to look up more ways to get yourself a dispensation. Oh, I'd love to get my dispensation. Yeah, that was difficult to get that dispensation. It almost became too easy then not to go back sometimes. So it was good to get back as soon as we were allowed to. Oh, Seems like sure. so long ago, doesn't it? Acedia, Robert. Acedia. And don't say C. Dennis, whatever you do. <laughs> that was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> don't you dare go there. Acedia <laughs> is one of the eight sinful thoughts, right? Or the, the eight, sorry, the eight deadly thoughts. Okay. Eight sinful yep. thoughts. The eight de There's the seven deadly sins and the eight deadly thoughts. Um, and Acedia is kind of best put in with sloth or slovenliness Correct. yes it's similar but not quite the same right acedia is not just being slow to do something or avoiding doing something uh, acedia is kind of having that feeling within oneself of no motivation right that's very good. Right. That's I think, really good, I think yeah. that's the, the better way to describe it is just that that lack of motivation, which actually, you know, it's a good word for you to bring out here in January for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere who right. are at the, the shortest days of the year. I mean, the days are slowly getting longer. We just got over Blue Monday, I think it was called last Monday or the Monday before, right? Yeah. Every Monday is a Blue yep. Monday, but that's a whole other conversation too. But the fact that we're in these, these short days... And we're waking up in the dark. We're driving to work in the dark. We're driving mm. home from work in the dark. And the weather here, I know we promised not to talk about the weather, but the weather where we are in the greater Toronto area since before Christmas, so for over a month, it has been overcast. 
with some kind of form of precipitation. We've had two, maybe three days of brilliant sunshine in the last month and a half. Yeah. I think we haven't had back-to-back sunshine days. We had them... Last week, we had two. Right. And since before then, it was November. So that's kind of... That's a bit... It's a bit long of a stretch. And that's when acedia sets in because yeah. it just sap, saps the motivation out of you. And it we does. were talking about your Belgium trip before. And I remember a few times getting texts from you while you were there. Does it ever stop raining? Raining. Yeah. Right. And when I lived there 30 years ago, I actually bought myself a t-shirt that said Belgium where rain is typical. And you told me, bring in umbrellas, first thing you said to me. Yeah. But no, I, I think the thing about Asita too, Robert, is we forget that a lot of great saints and a lot of great figures within the church suffered from it too, which is kind of gives hope for us who who do go occasionally go through bouts of it to say, yeah, you you know, we, we can persevere, right? It's, it's okay to, you know, as long as you don't get into the fall into the long-term trap of this, I mean, you might have to push through this sometimes, correct? Yeah. And it, correct, and that comes back to that notion we were just talking about of, of the spiritual dryness, mm-hmm. and the example of that. And you're talking about great saints that have experienced a spiritual dryness, which can lend itself to acedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saint Teresa of Calcutta. Yes, uh, that's right. I was shocked I, to I, read that. After I can't her. remember the exact. Was it twenty five or thirty years of spiritual dryness? That oh, I don't know. I through. didn't know it was that long, but I was just surprised that where there was doubt and, like you say, spiritual mm-hmm. dryness of, of you know. No, Saint like Teresa it was. It was lengthy, mm-hmm. a lengthy, lengthy period of time. Like, I was shocked. Like I said, twenty five to thirty wow. years of spiritual dryness. Mm-hmm. Right. And but in the meantime, her works were still very much out there, and she was very much doing what she's always done, even though her spiritual dryness was there. Yeah, and her works were motivated, and she was given, I don't want to say the enthusiasm to do it, that's the, the wrong word, but she was given the energy to go out and do the work, because she started her day with Mass, and yeah. she was praying the rosary and going to adoration and she was still spending that time in prayer with the Lord, mm-hmm. even though she was feeling that spiritual dryness. And again, it comes back to that quote we just said from Benedict the Sixteenth: yeah. God is our Father and loves us even when His silence remains incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that was a a great choice of word for for today for a late January podcast. I know you got both of them, Robert. You're two for two. You're hitting, you're batting a hundred, uh, a thousand, I guess, today. Well, I want you to start coming up with concrete objects. Objects, okay. Concrete it's objects. Not too, yeah, I know, but like, what am I going to go back to my 11th century dictionary of, I, I've been trying to find those terms, but I don't know if they've gone, if they're still around or they don't mention them anymore, or what types of books yeah, one has you, to access. You kind of, you have to get your hands on like an older sacramentary or uh, an older missal or yeah. an, an older cate- catechism. Okay. For, for some Let's of go that for stuff. that. Okay. But we can still bring in maybe one of each type thing. Cause yeah, I, I do yeah. like, I think it's important that their listeners know, you know, know some of these terms. I think it's kind of educational for some of them who may, who may not know them. It's educational for myself. Absolutely. Okay, shout out, sir. You have any? I have one. Okay, you go first, and then I've I'll, got Nathaniel. Nate. Nate was a gentleman in the rustic table, which was a stone's throw from a hotel. Who, I think he his English was very good. I think he grew up in South Africa. We'll say was on playing soccer throughout North America. Lived in a few cities. We used to chat most days when I'd pick up a cappuccino and a croissant. And, you know, we just see it was very personable, very good guy. And I just went in there. I think I was second last day complaining about the rain again. And I says, oh, I was going to go for a walk to Abbe de la Cambre. And, you know, but I think it's going to start to rain. And he goes, my brother. He goes, no, rain is fine. He goes, in my country, rain is a blessing. And I thought to myself, oh, yeah, I got to change my attitude. Embrace it. When it's here, you know, this is it. it. It's raining and just deal with it. Go for my walk. And I ended up going for my walk to the Abbey de la Combe. And I'm, I had a great time and I'm glad I did. But I would have put it off, put off by the rain. And he just kind of changed my attitude at that time. So he was kind of a person for those few days we were there. That was the one person I saw on a regular basis, other than obviously my wife and children who kind of 
made me refocus things a little bit. So I thought that's my shout out. Probably he'll probably never listen to this to hear it, but nonetheless, one of those people you you meet on holidays, Robert. You know that you've done that before. Yeah, and that's absolutely beautiful. I like that notion of mm-hmm. you know, you're complaining about something, but what you're complaining about is going to be a blessing for someone else. Absolutely. Yeah, In another country, beautiful. they're waiting for the rain, right? Yeah. yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. I, be quite honest, I truly don't have a shout out for this episode. I did want to mention yourself just for allowing me to live vicariously through oh. you and your family during your vacation to, to Brussels. Uh, it was such a thrill for me. Like the one day I asked you, where did you go today? And you're like, well, guess. And you just sent, kept sending me pictures yes. and I, I'm able to name them off. And each one is just bringing back a, a memory of, you know, a different person or a different place and something different that I had done from 30 years ago. And as much as yeah. there was some stuff that was kind of new or different, like I said, okay, I recognize this place, but this little part yeah. of the picture is new. Uh, yeah, it, and just, just for our listeners, I'm going to say I was impressed, Robert. I'm going to give a shout out to you for that because I was impressed just some of these snaps I took that you were able to identify, which leaves me with the next question. I know you've been a few places in 30 years. Why the heck have you haven't? I know I have a reason I haven't gone back to Australia since I stayed there. You know, lived there for a couple of years is because it's a little bit further than Brussels. But why the heck haven't you gone back? Well, you've been a few places since then. I've been back since I lived there to go to school. I have been back to Brussels twice. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't realize um, So I lived there from 91 to 92. Yeah. And going to school. Uh, I was back there again in 1994 when I was living in Munich. I went up to Brussels for the Easter okay. holiday. I'm not going to really count that one because that was so that was close. Pretty, that so, was pretty close. Yeah. And then... The year after Ellie and I got married, okay. we went and did a a little bit of a European tour. So that was in 1997. Okay, I'll count that one. Yeah, that I I was there. So that was when I was over, there last. And it you was haven't been back in over 25 years. Wow, yeah, it, it's get time. It, yeah, it's time. It really is time. You'll be really impressed with it. Uh, that's why it was so special last summer when we had my friend's daughter over for a visit. Yes. Um, Ava. Not just yes. because it was just a little bit of a connection with Brussels, but it also allowed me to offer this young lady, my, myself and my family, offer this young lady um, an experience that her grandparents kind of offered me. Like her mm-hmm. grandparents, I think, took pity on me and took me in while I was living there and were feeding me two, three, 20 times a week kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and her dad became a, a really close and good friend. To the point that 30 years later, our children are are visiting back and mm-hmm. forth. Um, and I think that's just a, a thing, too. As you get older, you look back on the yeah. influence that these people have had in your life. And you just, even if you can't pay those particular people back, but in some way offer those same opportunities to someone else. Mm-hmm. And it is such a blessing to travel. Oh, yeah. It opens up so many, you know, you just see so much of life and people. And I think it makes it the world smaller, but it makes you a little bit more open to people and maybe less ignorant of things sometimes. But didn't you think when you were visiting with his parents 30 years ago, geez, those parents are old. And now I think they were younger. They were at that time, they were younger than we are now. Wow. And now we just don't think it's not as old anymore, do we? Exactly. We would. Some of us are getting old, but anyhow. Yeah. Now, Dennis, as always, the time seems to have flown by. We started off before we started recording today. We said we're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it short. We're going to keep it short. We did not keep it short. No, short, and you are not in the same sentence. Or maybe it's me. No, it's me. Yeah. Uh, And I kissed the Blarney Stone twice, not you. So funny, funny. Go figure that one out. Yeah, but like I said, the time seems to have flown by. My hourglass here is just about empty. Absolutely, Rover. It's always a pleasure. Mine's a little bit fuller. I was, I was saying, your maybe... yours seems to have changed there as we've gone through the podcast, <laughs> it's my changed friend. changed a little color. <laughs> that being said, how did you enjoy the Corktown stuff? It was really good. Yeah, right. I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I knew you would really enjoy that. It's probably as close to a Guinness as you're going to get. 
As you know, with with stouts, though, you can only have so much of those for mm-hmm. bear, and then you just have to switch up. So we've got a little one, small one, you know, considering it's the weekend and I'm not and driving. I, yeah, and I had thought about having a stout, but I just wasn't quite in the mood for no. for a stout today. Isn't it? You know what? It hasn't been for you in a long time. A dunkle kind of day. A dunkle kind of day, which I'm surprised. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of a dunkle kind of day today. Wasn't it? It's been a kind of dunkle kind of month, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, my St. Andre Bohemian Lager has a little bit of dunkleness mm. to it. Yeah. Again, it's got that caramel color. Like I said, a buckwheat honey kind of flavor. Fantastic. Yeah. I have to yeah. get one of those. You have to pick me up one next time. I still yeah, have I, that other one that you got me. So, Like I said, my, my wife picked these up, so I'm really not sure where it came mm. from. Uh, but I'm sure I can track uh track that down for you but no it's it's excellent I, i'll definitely have to pick more of those up right but yeah the conversation and the pint have been been great i think especially like we're saying especially the pints yes but always it's always a good to talk about our catholic faith today very, especially pope benedict yep oh very true very true now just before we wrap up here dennis perhaps there's just one small favor we could ask of our listeners if you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook. Drop us a line there or by email at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. Chat again soon, my friend. God willing. And until then, why don't we remember the wise words of G.K. Chesterton? In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. Take care.